You're listening to The Itch, a podcast exploring all things allergy, asthma, and immunology. I'm your co-host, Courtney, a real-life allergy, asthma, and eczema girl. And I'm your second host, Dr. Payal Gupta, a board-certified allergy, asthma, and immunology doctor. Courtney and I hope to balance each other out so that we get you all the information that you want and need about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Following our two deep dive episodes on atopic eczema, we thought it would be fun to talk to someone who manages it. So today we're talking with Alexis Smith, a skinfluencer, which is a term I just learned after reading the cover story of People Health featuring our guest. In this episode, Alexis shares her skin journey. We talk about mental health and eczema, skin protests, and some more fun things like dating and makeup. I'm relatively new on my journey of eczema management, and I found this episode extremely enlightening, and I hope you do too. Alexis Smith is with us, and she has several Instagram accounts that she'll probably tell us a little bit about. And I think we'll just jump in with what's your eczema story and what led you to become a skinfluencer? I feel like the first question I always get asked is like my skin journey, and I literally never know what to say. But basically, I was diagnosed with eczema when I was 12, and you know, middle school is a terrible time (laughs) for being different. So that was tough. And I started my Instagram kind of when I was at like a low point in my journey. And I just, I didn't know what else to do. So I decided to post about it on social media just because I feel like it needed some exposure and didn't think anything would come of it. But then I was contacted by Dove three years ago to be in their Derma Series campaign. So that was pretty cool. And then through my Instagram, I also found uh, the National Eczema Association. So then I started getting more involved. I went to the eczema expos. I got to meet my people, my itchy people. Obviously, the most recent thing was I was contacted by People Health Magazine to do that story, which was absolutely insane. Yeah, so I started out kind of... (laughs) as like a sad, lonely little teenager. And now it's become like this crazy opportunity that I've had. It's very weird for me. So you started your Instagram. Is it because you felt like you weren't seeing any other people that you could relate to who also had eczema? Were you feeling like you needed to just connect with other people and find a community online? I don't know if that's why I started it. I mean, it ended up being what my kind of therapy was. I think I just went on because I didn't know who to talk to. So I just kind of put it out online for everyone to see. And then through that is where I found eczema community. And then I realized I'm not the only one. This is crazy. Everyone else is like this. And I've found a lot of friends through my Instagram. So that's been awesome. To be able to talk to people who know what you're going through, I think is the best thing you could find about living with a skin condition or asthma, allergies, everything. Talking to people who know what you're going through on a day-to-day basis is awesome. So you started it when you were 12? No, I was diagnosed when I was 12. I think I started it four years ago. I think I was 19 when I started it. For that, between the age of 12 to the time that you started your Instagram, what were you doing at that 
point? Were you just talking about it with your parents or? So they tried to understand as much as they could. You know, they had to go off of what the dermatologist told them or like what they see, but there's no way that they could actually feel what I'm feeling. But they did their best. And it was a lot of household changes where we had to change our laundry detergent. So everyone had to use my baby detergent that was hypoallergenic and everyone had to wash their clothes in there. Had to get like a new water filter for the shower so it wasn't as harsh. Just little household changes like that. I feel like my condition wasn't as bad as some people. So it wasn't, I didn't have to make drastic changes that affected everyone in the home. But whenever there was a change that needed to be made, like the laundry detergent or the water filter, they helped out with that, which was nice. So you said that when you started your Instagram account, it was like at the peak of it being unbearable for you. Can you go into more details as to what you mean by that? I think my eczema wasn't at its worst when I started my Instagram account. It was just the emotional toll was the worst at that point, if that makes sense. Like I was just kind of over it and I didn't know how how else to deal with it. I think that was my turning point was my Instagram because obviously I started my Instagram because I was kind of depressed about it. And then once I started it, it totally changed the way that I viewed my eczema. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe this isn't so bad. All of these other people have it. And I didn't realize how many other people were already posting about it. And I was like, well, this is normal. So maybe I should just not in a weird way, but get over it or kind of view it in a different way than I had been viewing it. And it totally changed my perspective. And I stopped covering up with long t-shirts and jeans. I started to actually show it because I didn't want it to be hidden anymore. Is there any specific thing that triggered that feeling of not wanting to hide anymore? Or was it just a gradual journey? For me, honestly, I feel like it was something that just clicked one day. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of being uncomfortable trying to make other people comfortable because that's what I was doing. I was just like, well, you know, they don't want to see it. I don't want them to ask questions about it. So I'm just going to cover it up. And that's what I did for the longest time. And then I was, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. So I just wanted day, I literally just decided to not do that anymore. And it's been awesome ever since. That was the best decision I have ever made. So that kind of goes along with one question that we had for you. What advice would you give someone who was feeling like they couldn't go out in public because of the way they look? I know it was something that just kind of clicked for me, but I know that's not how everyone is. So it's hard to tell someone just, oh, don't even worry about it. It's not a big deal because you have to go through so much mentally Getting comfortable with showing it is definitely a process because it's weird from taking all of your energy into hiding something and then just being okay with people seeing your skin. But it has been kind of nice because people message me on Instagram now and they're like, hey, you know, I saw your page. It inspired me. I went out in shorts and short sleeves and I felt so much better. It was so enlightening. (laughs) I'm glad I could do that for you. But I think my advice, one day, just do it. And if you're not comfortable, you know, take steps to get comfortable. But if you find out you like it, hey, you're more comfortable now. That's awesome. And I was thinking as just somebody that would want to know what that experience felt like, did you feel going into it, you were thinking that people would come up to you and ask you a ton of questions and judge you? And is that not actually what happens? Do people actually not 
not even notice and they kind of don't care because most people really notice things about themselves but don't really notice things about other people as much as we think that they're going to? Or what was your experience with that first out there experience? Well, I think that's exactly it. what you said. People don't care, which is the best thing that I've realized because, you know, I was so scared to go out because I'm like, they're going to stare at me. They might come up to me and ask me questions that I'm not ready for. Like, I just don't feel like answering questions about it today. But people don't care. They are just worried about their own stuff. As much as we're kind of freaked out thinking people are going to notice these things about us, that's what those people are going through about other stuff. So they're not even worried about that weird red patch on your arm. That is none of their concern. This year was the first year that my eczema really showed on my face. Before, it was just a little dry patch and I wear glasses and no one would see it. But this year, it crawled all the way down my face onto my neck and it was really flaking everywhere. And it was the first time I ever had the real experience of not wanting to go out of the house because I have it on my arms and my hands and I've had people say things to me about it. You know, what's going on with your feet or why are your hands that way? But on my face, it just totally changed my perspective of how I felt comfortably in my skin. And I'm still now not in a place where you are. I could say that much, but I would be curious if someone says something to you about your eczema, just in public, just maybe a random person or even a friend who just doesn't get it. What's the way that you interact with this person if they do say something that could potentially make you feel uncomfortable? Personally, my go-to is comedy for some reason, but I think that's just kind of a defense mechanism I had from the bullying in middle school because really Really now, I think the best thing to do is to just educate that person because people ask questions and think it's weird or different because they don't know. And all it takes is one person saying, hey, this is what this is. It's eczema. It's normal. It's not contagious. I'm fine. This is what I deal with. And that's all that person needs to be like, oh, okay, yeah. So the next time they see someone with eczema, they don't have to be, oh, what is that? They can, oh, yeah, I met a nice young woman with eczema before. And they, she told me what it is. And it's this and blah, blah, blah. So That's something we also say in the foodology community is the more information you can give to them in the most graceful way, in the most open and kind way, you're paving the way for someone else. And it's also making that interaction that could have been uncomfortable and awkward more open. And, you know, I also suffer from eczema and it seems to always happen when I'm, I'm traveling, unfortunately, and I want to look pretty. But my go-to has always been addressing it before the other person can address it. So I've always gone to that. Let me just kind of put it out there and openly say something about it. So I'm not worried about, are they thinking about it? Are they going to ask me something about it? I just kind of say something off the bat. So I don't know. That's kind of been my go-to. And sometimes maybe it makes people feel uncomfortable or they're not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden they are thinking about it. So I don't know if it's a good way to go, but that's kind of been my go-to. I think that's a good way to go. It opens up the conversation. If they do have questions, they can kind of feel like they can talk to you about them instead of feeling like they can't mention it because, oh, maybe that's something she's insecure about, but that that kind of like opens up the conversation, which is nice. I'm changing the subject a little bit because I'm very curious about this because it doesn't work for me yet. How do you navigate makeup with eczema? Still figuring that out. I know I always talk about uh, makeup on my Instagram. And so people think I'm some professional with eczema and makeup, but I'm figuring it out just like everybody else, I guess. I 
am terrible. I don't patch test, which I know I should. So it's it's all about finding what products work for you and patch testing if you're not like me. What else I used to do was if I, I used to get it really bad under my eyes. So I would put foundation and my makeup everywhere except for where the eczema was. And it kind of made this weird, abstract, cool, artsy look, which I absolutely loved because it's like, oh, you want to do this look? Oh, you can't. I have eczema. Like, <laughs> it was something that a makeup look that I could do and people would be like, oh, you know, that actually looks pretty cool. And at the same time, it was nice because I didn't have a uh, cakey foundation on a spot that would be easily irritated by it. So it was comfortable and I thought I looked good. <laughs> so I know you mentioned patch testing. A lot of people might not know what that is. So maybe we can just talk about that together for a second. But essentially, patch testing is a way to see if something is going to cause irritation to your skin by picking a spot. I usually say behind your ear is a good spot because that can be a sensitive area. So it can pick up things that you might be sensitive to. Some people say the wrist area is a good spot. You would put whatever product, foundation, cream on your skin, and then you would try not to wash that area off. And you could even put a Band-Aid over that area to keep it from getting rubbed off or washed off. Actually, the way that we do it in the office, if you do an actual patch test is we have you come back after two days and then after three days to see if it's reacting. You mentioned patch testing at the office. What does that look like? Patch testing at the office. We talked a little bit about this in the first episode with the eczema, but there is something called contact dermatitis. And that's really when we use patch testing. It's not necessarily for classic eczema, but for people with eczema, they have a tendency to have contact dermatitis, which means that you can get irritated by different chemicals and different products like makeup up like soaps, like lotions. And what we do is we put the classic patch test is 70 of the most common chemicals that are found in common products, cosmetics, uh, household goods. We put little test spots on your back and then we put a big sticker over it. And then we have you not get your back wet or sweaty for a total of basically four days because you come in the first day, you get the patch test put on. So you get this big sticker put on your back with a bunch of chemicals that are each numbered. And then you come back on day three. So if you start on a Monday, then you come on a Wednesday. We take stickers off and then we look to see which, if any, you're having a reaction to. And that reaction is going to look like a little patch of eczema. It's going to be irritated, red, sometimes really bumpy area just in the area where that particular chemical was. And so we have, like, it, like I said, we have it all numbered and mapped out so we can tell you exactly what chemical you're reacting to at that point. And then we send you home and we bring you back a third time the next day, which would be the 72 hour readings. And we look again to see if you've reacted to anything. And again, during this entire time, you should not get your back wet or sweaty. We tend to recommend patch testing whenever somebody who either has eczema or who has never had a history of eczema can also get contact dermatitis. But like I said, it is more common in people with eczema because they just tend to have more sensitive skin. And so for people who have any kind of symptoms of their face, 
or if they say that every time I use makeup, I break out or even the hands because the hands are a common place for people to get contact dermatitis because we're constantly touching things. That area is a little bit more sensitive and definitely our face, especially around the mouth and around the eye area. So whenever people present with any kind of eczema or dry skin condition that's specifically affecting those areas, we worry that there might also be a contact dermatitis aspect to it. Oh my gosh, I think I need to go get patch testing. (laughs) I think I mentioned that to you. I told you to get that when I met you the very first time. I know, you're right. And I have a, well, if all things go well, I have a dermatology appointment in May and that's something we're going to talk about, I think. Yeah, so dermatologists will do it and so will allergists. So you can talk to either your dermatologist or your allergist about that. Alexis, have you ever had the patch testing done, like the official patch test with the doctor? Um, Not the... I don't know if it's considered patch. I did the one with the needles. No. So that's skin prick testing. That's for environmental allergens like dust, cats, dogs, weeds, all those kind of things. But with chemicals and products and perfumes and things like that, we have to do a patch test for that. Yeah. I feel like I definitely need to do a patch test eventually because that would kind of help you know, when I'm shopping for makeup. Yeah. So I have something to look at, be like, oh yeah, no, I can't use this foundation because it has this in it. Usually when I have somebody that comes in with what I think is eczema, I will evaluate them and see where their eczema is affecting them. And like I said, if it tends to be on their hands or particularly on their face, around their eyes and around their mouth, then I will definitely suggest a patch test. But I always also do the skin prick test for the environmental allergens to see if there's something else in their general environment that's causing them to be sensitive and causing that atopic eczema. Yeah, usually I do recommend both depending on what I'm seeing on their exam, but it is a cumbersome test. It is just a process for people. And usually it's better in the fall or the winter because in the summer, you know, we're all sweaty. So those are important things to keep in mind. And also once you get the results, it's still pretty overwhelming because if you are sensitive to multiple things, trying to figure out how to avoid those things. It's helpful, but a lot of the chemical names can, there can literally be 10 names for one chemical (laughs) or even more. And so, you know, all of a sudden I feel like, okay, I'm helping this person, but then I also feel like I'm giving them more work in a weird way, but I know it is helpful. And there's actually some computer programs and apps that you can get where you can plug in what your sensitivity is, what your contact dermatitis trigger is. And then they'll give you a list of safe products, which is kind of cool. So we can find a couple of the good ones. Some of them you have to pay for, I think, but we can find some of the good ones and link them to this episode too. Yeah, that would be really helpful. So you didn't get the official patch testing, but you mentioned when you were younger, your family avoided certain detergents. What triggered that? I think that was just my dermatologist saying, okay, you have eczema. And then I would come back and be like, hey, the creams you gave me aren't helping. And he's like, okay, well, maybe you need to change certain things. Stop painting your nails, change your detergent, go th- stop wearing perfume, do all these different things, which when you're a teenager, you're just like, what do you mean I can't paint my nails? What do you mean I can't wear perfume? 
room. Like, what, what are you expecting from me? But I, that was just my dermatologist saying, Hey, try these things. These are common irritants that once you remove them, it should be better. I asked my dermatologist. So in Germany, my dermatologist is also my allergist. I asked my dermatologist, should I avoid soaps? Should I avoid certain chemicals? What should I do? And I think this is what triggered our patch testing discussion. But he told me that I didn't need to worry about that, that there was no reason for me to avoid soaps. And I don't know, I'm hearing two contradicting stories. So maybe Dr. G... Do you have anything to say about that? Well, that is why patch testing is so helpful because it can take away those. Is that what's causing it or is that what's causing it? And you don't have to be the test bunny in a certain way of like just buying a bunch of stuff and trying to test it out because it also gets really complicated. In a given week, you could also get triggered because you're stressed out or you didn't sleep enough or all of a sudden you had, you got sick and that stresses your body out and that triggers your eczema. So it can always be confusing as to what's triggering. And because the contact dermatitis triggers can take time to trigger your skin. And that's why we have you come in so many times to figure out exactly what's causing the reaction. It can also get really confusing because it's not as soon as you use the detergent that an hour later or two hours later, you're going to have the reaction like with the food. You know, as soon as you eat the food, you have the reaction. So it's it's really obvious that, oh my God, I'm reacting to this food. Whereas with these chemical sensitivities, it can take a day. It can take two days. Sometimes it can take three days. Sometimes it can take a week. Sometimes you can be using a product for your entire life and all of a sudden you start becoming sensitive to it. But particularly with detergents, it's uncommon for a detergent to just cause eczema on your hands, for example, it would cause reactions more in the areas where the detergent is sitting there and irritating more. So your underwear area, maybe your bra area, where it's kind of sitting on your skin tighter and causing that kind of friction, that area would be where you might see that reaction more with detergents. Sometimes nail polish won't trigger anything on your hands, but it'll only trigger reactions around your eyes or around your mouth. So it's so weird how our skin is just ultra sensitive in some areas, even though we're putting it on one area, the other area might react and the one area that you're actually using the product on might not even react. So that's why contact dermatitis, I tell people it's a journey. It's a detective process. Really have to think about everything that's going on. And then the patch testing really helps to kind of give us a little bit more information. And sometimes it's, oh my God, aha, that's it. It's this particular thing. And that's awesome. But that's not always what happens. So it's not always this perfect test, but it can help. If you're willing to go through the whole process. It can be very, very helpful. Now, I think we should maybe shift to something more fun. So how have you navigated dating? When I was a teenager, I was so scared to date because I'm like, oh my God, no one's going to want to date me. Like I have this rash covering my skin. No one's going to want to deal with that because why would they? And that has not been my experience at all. I have had no problems. It's been amazing. I don't know what I was so freaked out about because as long as you find the right person, 
it shouldn't be an issue. And if it is an issue, maybe you don't have the right person. For some reason, this has always been like a personal thing for me. But I was always, you know what? Once I find someone who's willing to kiss an eczema patch, I found my person. Because that's something that's a sign of, I don't think you're disgusting. I love you for all you are. This doesn't gross me out. You're beautiful. And someone did do that. I didn't think it was actually going to happen, but it actually happened. I was like, oh my God, like I have not been giving people enough credit. They're actually awesome. And they're not going to think you're gross if they're the right person. So I say don't even worry about it. Do you think you brought some of that comfort in your own skin with you? And that's what helped the person feel comfortable in doing that? I think so, yeah, because people kind of react based on you. I'm not saying you can't be insecure because, of course... Every, like I'm still, it, I people think I'm, you know, always confident. I get insecure. Like I have my moments. But if you're always insecure and you don't openly talk about it, then maybe they will react differently and they won't know what to do. But if you're comfortable with it and then they see you struggling with it, they're more apt to want to comfort you. I think it's a matter of finding someone who understands what you're going through. Yeah. And I think as a teenager, we're all trying to find that confidence. That's a big part of getting older is feeling comfortable in your skin, finding that comfort in your own skin and just being confident that in itself can bring out appreciation from others in a weird way. And But it is, it's time and it's a lot of experience that kind of goes into getting to that point. Fortunately, I've met teenagers that are super confident and comfortable. And, and uh, I just think it's a part of the whole process of getting older and realizing what's important to people. And it really is about just what's inside and not really even what's outside 99% of the time in relationships. We get so caught up, like you said, in like what's going on in ourselves that we forget what else is going on with other people and how they react to us. If you could go back in time and talk to the girl that you were before Instagram, what do you think you would tell her in terms of making her feel comfortable in her eczema? There's not really one thing you can say that'll just change someone's mind completely about the situation. It is a process. They have to get there. I think I would just try and tell my young self, I don't think you realize, but no one cares, which it sounds rude or like weird to say, but no one cares about your eczema. Once you kind of know who you are, once you make peace with what you look like, it's kind of empowering to be like, this is who I am. It's something I'm going to have to deal with. It's not just going to go away overnight. This isn't something you just put a cream on and it disappears. It's something I'm going to have to deal with. So I would just want to kind of stress like, hey, this is your life. You need to figure out how you're going to deal with it because you can't just sit around and have a pity party, which I did a lot, <laughs> by the way. Getting on that confidence train a lot sooner would have been a lot more helpful. I think it's also okay to acknowledge the fact that having a skin condition is also, it's very hard to manage and it does take a lot of psychological burden on people. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that you are going to have these moments. Like me, you want to just go under your sheet and not reappear for a while. I think that's okay to also acknowledge and to say, you know, you have these moments. Some days are worse, some days are better, but this too shall pass. 
and you're going to become a stronger person from it. Absolutely. Because anyone who sees my Instagram and talks to me thinks I'm this super confident person like all the time, which I am a lot more confident than I was before. But like I said, like I still have my moments. I'm still affected by eczema. I don't want anyone to think that, you know, you're not going to want to break down sometimes still. Because I remember this past summer, actually, I had a really bad flare up and I just remember crying in the shower because I was just out of pain and frustration from dealing with why won't this go away? Like I, I just want it to end. I had like one patch on the back of my knee that would not go away. It would not stop weeping, oozing. And it was horrible because I was on vacation with my boyfriend and his family. And, you know, I wanted to go out and have fun. And so I just remember like breaking down and crying in the shower because I was just so emotionally drained from trying to deal with eczema. So, I mean, it'll still happen. It's just a matter of how you bounce back from it or, you know, knowing how to deal with those situations. Are there any tools or resources that either you, Alexis, or Dr. G, you know about that can help people who are feeling emotionally burdened by their skin condition? Because I do feel like we talk a lot about treatment in terms of creams and ointments and management. However, one factor that's a trigger is stress. And I don't know how much dialogue goes on about the psychological factors of eczema. Like I said, I started going to those eczema expos from the National Eczema Association. I want everyone to go to those. They are absolutely incredible because you're surrounded by people who know exactly what you're going through. And you make, it's so easy to make friends because obviously you already have so much in common and it's very educational. They have breakout sessions on mental health and everything. And, you know, mental health is a big part of the conversation. I've met a lot of parents there who tell me, I'm so glad we found this because if I didn't bring my child to this, honestly, I'm not sure if they would still be here if they hadn't found their people and know how to deal with it. Because for the longest time, they thought they were the only ones with it. They thought they were alone in the struggle. So I think it's very important to include mental health in the conversation. And I think the National Eczema Association does have a lot of resources on their website in regards to that. And they do a lot of articles, you know, it's a, but if you can make it to the expos, they are absolutely wonderful. And I highly recommend it. And they even have scholarships, you know, if they can't make it financially, they're able to go, which is awesome. That's wonderful. I've, I, I have never been to any of those events. And I think it sounds really empowering and awesome. And as a clinician, as a physician, I know that there's so many studies out there about the impact of eczema on quality of life in general for kids in school, how it can affect school, how it can affect, obviously, social relationships and then even sleep. And we know how important sleep is for people. So it really does have a huge psychological component in so many different ways. And we need to not ignore that. And I think it's really nice in all conditions. We've talked about it with food allergy. We've, um, we haven't touched on it with asthma, but it's real in asthma. It's real in eczema. Really almost every healthcare condition, mental health and the way that people cope with their underlying medical condition can affect their health in so many different ways. So it's an important topic, no matter what your underlying condition is. And again, with eczema, it's out there, literally. And people really feel that psychologically and they feel different and they feel angry that they can't feel 
confident sometimes, and that is normal. And so it's just nice to normalize those feelings and help people understand how important it is to seek out help if you're not feeling good about it. Yeah, and we can definitely include some resources for those places where they can go and look for more information to, again, yeah, see that other people are going through it as well and that maybe you feel a little bit less lonely when you connect with someone. Just in general, for conditions that aren't life-threatening, sometimes people have a hard time understanding why it can affect people so much. And I just think it's nice to help people understand that any condition can cause a lot of stress and anxiety for people. Yeah, those are really, really good things to hear. And I know that this was really one of the hardest years for me with my eczema. And I'm an adult, you know, I'm 31. And this is something I'm struggling with now. It's really nice to hear that and to acknowledge these aspects of living with certain conditions. And I think that this has been a really interesting conversation. And I'd like to close it off with asking you, Alexis, what tips you would give someone to rock their eczema care? Let's talk makeup removal because I, I don't wear insane amounts of makeup every day, but you know, I'll put on eye makeup and I always get the question of makeup and eczema. But another important thing is how to take off the makeup at the end of the day because there are a lot of things that take off your makeup that could irritate you that you don't even think about. So I have found these wonderful things. It's called Face Halo and it's just a little round makeup remover that's reusable and you just add water and rub it on your face and it completely takes off your makeup. It's ridiculous. I love it. Like you don't have to scrub hard, which is awesome because I remember I'd used to take off my makeup with a rough washcloth and then I would just go crazy rubbing my face and then I would flare my eczema up because it just felt so good scratching everything off my face. So definitely using the face halo every night to take off my makeup and then washing my face. Those are my only constants in my skincare routine. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad that you like that because I've never been able to use any kind of wipes on my face. Like a face makeup removal wipe is the worst idea for me. I will definitely have a rash the next day. One of the reasons I don't like wearing makeup is because I don't like taking it off. (laughs) So I don't wear makeup, but it's been really good to hear all of your tips and to learn all of this from you because personally, I've never really experienced eczema like I have in the last half a year and especially being on my face. So it's just really nice to hear again, like we've talked about, hear another person's story and to connect with that. So thank you so much. And also, I think that since we've started this podcast and since I've known Dr. G, it's like allergies, getting that figured out, figured out, check. Asthma, getting that figured out, check. Now it's like eczema, I'm on the road. (laughs) I'm getting there. And now I have a makeup removal tip. So it's good. (laughs) So thank you so much. And we will link to everything. But real quick, where can people find you on Instagram? At eczema love. No spaces, no under things. Just eczema love. I love that handle. I love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember that all information you hear today is for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast and sharing with your friends and family who might also be interested in learning more about allergies, asthma, and immunology. You can always stay up to date by checking 
checking out our Instagram, The Itch Podcast, where you can leave questions you are itching to know or check out our website, which is www.itchpodcast.com, which contains more information about the subjects we covered in today's episode and every episode. Until next time, have a fabulous week. 